Alrighty everyone, welcome back. I do apologize for the delay in release content over the past few weeks, but I was away attending to personal business. I should be back and settled into your regularly expected releases for the time being. Apparently, I missed the great mill moth migration for the year while I was out of the state. I only noticed because there are loads of those dead suckers all over the ground, and one was able to follow me in the door last night. Poor fella probably didn't get any sleep, but I was able to toss him back outside this morning, so he can hopefully catch up with the rest of his crew. I knew lots of people aren't fond of mods, but I tell you, it sure beats what I dealt with growing up in Iowa. Since we lived right on the river, we would deal with an explosion of what many call shadflies or mayflies. Right around May, or early spring, these little critters would end up coating every surface near the river. Their gestation period was only a few hours, so tens of thousands of these bugs were soon living, mating, and dying all within the span of about a day. The infestation would last a couple of weeks before more or less balancing out, but I especially hated riding my bike to work. We lived on a bluff that was high enough to be safe from the worst of it, but I would have to ride my bike down to my fry cook job at our town's only bar, and these things would stick to my arms and face and just not let go. Once I finally got to the bar, I would then have to sweep and shovel piles of the recently deceased shadflies over the balcony and into the river. But I know you didn't come here to listen to an amateur entomologist talk about the stickiest damn fly known to man. You came here to get the long overdue analysis of industry statistics and most revealing energy stories. Let's get into it. Commodity prices will start us off. Since I've been gone a couple weeks, we can look at the data since the start of the month. When I had last reported WTI prices, they were roughly $77 a barrel. By the end of that week, it had settled a little closer to $75. The following Monday was less than ideal as prices started to fall even lower to bottom out at $68.5 by the second. Not a strong way to open the month. Luckily for us, the price started to climb a bit, but stopped before it could get back above 74, much less 75. Again, it fell, which brings us to the end of last week, which saw roughly $71 barrel. This morning, the price opened at a flat 70 before briefly dipping below. It only stayed there for six hours in the wee hours of the morning before pulling up pretty sharply. At present, we are looking at a $71.26 barrel of WTI. Given the geometry of recent trading, it seems that we have at least temporarily stopped trading downward, which leaves our floor at roughly 70, with a ceiling no higher than 75. Again, these commodity prices make little sense given the state of supply and geopolitical events, so we'll just have to patiently await a higher price. Brent continues to outpace WTI with a spread of an almost even $4, which is not too terribly large given the data from the past year. Other than that, the Brent benchmark is essentially identical in movement. Natural gas has continued to do just about nothing while I was away. It is still oscillating between a range of 2 and 250-ish, sometimes breaking out of those boundaries, but never straying too far. I wish I had more interesting news here, but we are observing a months-old pattern at this point, and it seems like we will need to hear some pretty dramatic news to change that. Until that news comes, we will be happy with the current price of 238. Next up is the rig count. Now, I haven't checked it yet, but if I had to guess, I would say we are still within that 740 to 760 range. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> now that I've taken a moment to look at the data, it appears I was wildly wrong. The rig count sits at 731, which is a 17 rig decrease from the week before. So had I made this prediction last week, would have been right. Unfortunately, this leaves us only 17 rigs higher than we were last year. Since there's so much change, I will hit it all from a state level. It seems that the only places to gain rigs were Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah, who each gained one. Otherwise, Alaska, North Dakota, Ohio, and West Virginia each lost one. Pennsylvania and Texas each lost two. Oklahoma lost three, and both Louisiana and Wyoming lost four. Wow. This is the largest week-over-week decrease since June 5th, 2020, which was 154 weeks ago. It seems that producers are just responding to decreasing commodity prices and putting less effort towards new production. Surprisingly, the Gulf of Mexico gained two rigs on the week, bringing them to a total of 22, which I believe is six more than we last met. Very poor development in the rig space, yes, but this only pulls the slingshot that much further back for when markets recognize how inappropriate the current commodity prices are. The last statistic, of course, is Thirsty Thursday, which has been covered by Nick Fernhout. Now, we only have so much time on this podcast, so we'll have to skip the cocktail recipe like we normally do, but that is only one of the things that you are missing by not reading this report on www.rarepetro.com. I mean, he puts these things out every week, has great analysis, insane visual aids to really enhance your understanding. Please, give it a look. If you don't get a chance, I'll do my best, but here's what he had to say. Interestingly, the EIA forecasted an inventory draw this week, and reported a build. Not only was it a build, but a decent-sized one at nearly 3 million barrels. The API also expected a draw, but like the EIA, reported a build and even larger one at that of 3.6 million barrels. This build marks the largest that we've had in 12 weeks. Wow, that's not so nice when paired with that massive decrease of rigs. Little swing in either direction has helped us to keep U.S. oil inventories well within the past five-year range, which bodes well for consumers. Good for consumers is the slow descent of gasoline prices. Less good is the slow descent of gasoline stocks. It feels like we're waiting for those stocks to bottom out, after which prices will likely climb back up. A drop of three cents is nothing to celebrate for gasoline, but we will take it. Meanwhile, Mississippi gas has crossed over to the better side of $3. Diesel dropped even more and is now $0.05 cents cheaper. Distillate stocks are also down and are getting scarily close to levels seen during the diesel crisis. The United States continues to inch towards being a net crude exporter as it sells crude to Mexico, NATO allies, China, and a few other commercial partners. However, imports from Canada and a few other countries continue to outweigh crude oil exports. The trend towards becoming a net oil exporter continued this week and, if trendology is to be believed, looks to be accomplished within a decade. Thanks again to Nick Fernhout for putting that report together. That sums up all of the statistics for the week, so now we will move on to our news. Since commodity prices are much lower, the U.S. administration believes it will start purchasing crude oil to fill the strategic reserve as early as June. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm said, quote, that congressionally mandated sale of 26 million barrels will be completed by June, and it's at the point where we will flip the switch and then seek to purchase, end quote. This would be a wise strategy, considering that the SPR is at its lowest level since 1983, and Russia doesn't seem to be letting up on military conflict anytime soon. 
Not saying that I want us to get involved. I'm just saying that I think it would be beneficial to have resources on hand should anything pop off with anybody. Another thing to consider is how the world reacted the last time the U.S. mentioned they may refill the SPR. If I'm remembering correctly, OPEC announced some cuts that, in turn, caused a slight jump in oil prices, making it, once again, uneconomic to refill the SPR. So far, no such announcement has been made, but that doesn't mean a similar occurrence wouldn't pop up in a different way. The petrodollar is incredibly volatile at this point, and the world has reasons for influencing the price either way, but we will just have to wait and see what happens. If we do begin to buy back oil as a country, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little boost to commodity prices. Next, a little bit of an expansion building on a story we looked at just three weeks ago, considering Iran and their tanker seizures. Iran has seized a third tanker in just 19 days as the Persian Gulf becomes more and more heated. Apparently, it was a tanker that was originally seized many years ago from Iran, so they're saying it's just a reclamation of their property. It would kind of be like if your bike was stolen from your porch, you found it two months later outside of a coffee shop and stole it back. Thing is, no one is quite sure who is telling the truth. According to Iran's Justice Department, quote, The seized 10,000-ton oil tanker Purity had been illegally leased to a foreigner by falsifying documents since 2018, and its Iranian owners were deprived of the benefits of the oil tanker, end quote. According to the U.S. Navy Fifth Fleet, quote, Iran's continued harassment of vessels and interference with navigational rights in regional waters are a threat to maritime security and the global economy, end quote. Whether or not Iran is in the right or even telling the truth, this wouldn't be the first time of possibly outlandish claims. Late last month, Iran's state television showed footage of their navy hopping off of a helicopter onto a Turkish-operated and Chinese-owned tanker bound for Houston. The commandos seized the tanker. According to Iran, the craft had previously hit an unidentified Iranian vessel, knocking several crew members overboard, and then fleed. Considering China's recent meetings with Iran, I would be surprised if the government was making these attacks, as they know it's Chinese infrastructure, so maybe the Navy is acting autonomously, or someone has paid them to secure goods, energy resources, by any means necessary. I can't be certain. But things are not normal in the Persian Gulf. This is at least the fifth commercial vessel seized by Iran in two years. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you today. Again, I apologize for taking a good deal of time to get this out as I was away, but content should be pretty regular for the coming weeks. You may even get a special episode of the Wacky World of Energy from the road. If you don't want to miss that, make sure you frack the subscribe button plenty of energy-based content to enjoy, and it has the added benefit of helping you become a more informed and competitive energy professional. All of the content is free. We just ask that you take advantage of it. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.